You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 96 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. How's your relationship with food going? Is it complicated? Well, you're in the right place. And I have a letter from someone today that I can't wait to read for you. This person is experiencing just that a very complicated relationship with food. And she also is living in poverty and is wondering what to do. I think it's about time that the Love Food Podcast dives into this concern with how to eat. How does one help heal her relationship with food while having poor access to food, whether it's from poverty or neglect or diets, really. All of those things can get in the way of our access to food. And I think it's time for us to really try to see what kind of solutions we can find. And before we get to the letter, I wanna say a few words about BETA. BETA is an acronym for the Binge Eating Disorder Association, and they have a conference every year. This year, it was in combination with NIDA, another acronym for the National Eating Disorder Association. Well, I want to say a few words about it because I just got back from it yesterday. By the time you're listening to this, it's going to be a week after the conference, but I am still in this place of being speechless. It was an amazing experience for many reasons. One is I got to present twice, one on polycystic ovarian syndrome, binge eating disorder, and weight bias, which was such an incredible honor and a privilege to speak with so many of you who are experiencing this and so many of you who are supporting folks in that place. And I also got to present with Kimberly Singh, grad student that you have heard a lot about over the last few months on the Love Food Podcast because she's helping me with my work with PCOS and Food Peace. I presented with her and Maria Paredes. She's a counselor in the area where I live. And we presented on helping students of size to thrive in fat phobic professions, which was amazing. And part of what's leaving me speechless 
was that I finally got to connect with so many friends of the Love Food Podcast, namely Judith Matz, Christy Harrison, Fiona Sutherland, Aaron Flores, and many, many others. So many people that you've heard as experts on the Love Food Podcast, I finally got to meet. And it's so funny because I already feel like I know them because I got to chat with them on this podcast. And let me tell you, they are just as cool and awesome in real life. Another thing I got to do is I got to meet so many listeners. I can't even remember everyone. It was so great to connect with you in person because you guys know I'm this like super extrovert. I love connecting in person with people and it energizes me. So getting behind the mic can be kind of a drag because I'm just by myself. So actually connecting with you was just such a wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling. It fed me so much. So I appreciate that connection. And there was a few moments though in the conference that really meant a lot. I actually got to meet Deb Beauregard. She is someone who has done a lot of work to just lay the foundation for those of us who are working to help people experience health and um, less stigma because of their size. She's one of the founders of the Health at Every Size movement. And one of the moments that I remember that as I um, asked to get a picture with her, and I was wearing my favorite fat positive dietitian shirt. And she was like, oh, yes, I would love to have a picture with you. And so as we're taking the picture, she rubbed my back like she was my mom or something. It was, it was just such a cute moment. And I really just want to thank her and for everyone who, along with her, have been the founders of the movement because really we're only able to do this and to help people on their food peace journey because of their work. We're kind of standing on their shoulders and we are so proud and privileged to be able to continue on what they started. I think that's about all I want to share about Beta, but I want to also let you guys know it's almost the end of a hundred episodes of the Love Food Podcast, and my spontaneous self has decided that once I hit episode one hundred, that's going to start season two. And with season two, I need more letters. I need your tough challenging, complicated relationship with food letters. I want to hear all about it. So if you have a complicated relationship with food and you've been thinking about writing a letter, well, now is your time. The way to do that is just type it up however you want and send it on over to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. All this talk of a complicated relationship with food, I'm wondering who is listening with that complication and also experiencing PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Is that you? Well, if so, I want to help. I have developed a 12-step system and put it online as a course. Now, enrollment is closed currently, but it will open up again in the end of January. So if you want to get on the wait list, go to PCOSandfoodpeace.com. There you will get um, on the wait list and also a free resource, your first three steps towards food peace with PCOS, something to got to get started before enrollment opens. I look forward to seeing you in the course. Again, it's PCOSandfoodpeace.com. All right, enough of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, I have had an issue with you my entire life. I remember being a seven-year-old girl and not only sneaking around to eat you, 
but also feeling bad for being bigger than the other girls. Throughout my childhood, I would face issues with you not only because I was binging, but because it was difficult for me to have healthy meals. It wasn't because my parents weren't trying. They were big too, but they always tried to feed me healthy food when they could. The only issue with that is we were poor. Because of that, we were forced to eat the cheapest things, things often being boxed and full of unhealthy things. At the age of 12, I sat in the doctor's office, my doctor telling me that I have PCOS and I would have to lose weight in order to ensure that I did not get diseases like diabetes. I tried so hard to lose weight, but due to my financial situation, I couldn't fully afford the healthy things that everyone else could. I went to dietitians through the hospitals and they tried to show me the healthy way to eat, but I couldn't afford the multigrain bread for $3.50. I could only afford the white bread for a dollar. Not only this, but I was dealing with the horrible cravings for sugar and carbs that come with PCOS. I am now 19. My mother and I are living together while I pursue a higher education, and we are struggling more than ever. Not only this, but over the years, I have gained so much. I am at my heaviest weight of X pounds. I am beginning to struggle with the basic things such as going upstairs and walking down the block, and I'm scared that I'm going to die very young because of my horrible addiction to you. I want to be healthy and eat properly. But how can I do that when I'm struggling to afford you food? I am in an ocean of unhealthy behavior and poverty, and I'm begging for a lifesaver. How can I eat for my body when I can barely afford to eat well? Sincerely, Poor and Polycystic. Thanks for writing Poor and Polycystic. Your letter means so much to me. And I don't know if I have absolute solutions, but I certainly want to discuss more of what you're bringing up and also put a plea out there to anyone listening, because I think it's going to take energy from many of us to help this letter writer and other people in her experience to be able to have access to health. For you, letter writer, your story and experiences with childhood dieting and poverty brings up something that's really important to start with. It brings up for me as a dietitian that you didn't have access to food. You had access to parents that loved you and you were taken care of, yet because of two different reasons, you didn't have access to food. Why does that matter to me as a dietitian? Well, first, I'm a human, and I think that sucks that people have to experience this in our life, in this day and age of where we live, where there's just so much food available, yet there are so many people who share your story and your experiences. And as a dietitian, what I know to be true is that when we don't have consistent access to food, whether it's from poverty or neglect or dieting, then... Our relationship with food, for lack of a better word, is doomed. It really is going to be complicated. And it's because when our body doesn't have consistent access to food, for whatever reason, it almost doesn't care why, it's going to send cravings, it's going to be complicated, and it's going to mean more 
once a person has access to food. I often think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you guys can remember that from when you took maybe Psych 101 or just learned some basic psychology or cognitive development, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about what motivates people. And there's an order to this motivation. So the bottom of the pyramid or really his foundation is basic physiological needs like air and water, food, and shelter. And as you go on up the pyramid, once those basic needs are met, then people will be motivated to feel like they belong and want to have relationships. And of course, when you move on up, there's a top part that's like self-actualization that most of us never get to, but someone's not going to be motivated to self-actualize or this fancy word for, for fulfillment if they don't have enough oxygen. They're going to worry about breathing. Well, there's also a food hierarchy of needs that Ellen Satter has developed and studied over time. And what Ellen Satter says is that if someone doesn't have access to food, you can't really work on helping them to change their eating patterns to support disease prevention and treatment. Really, you have to have access to food. And what we know about poverty is that living in poverty causes oppression. And what we know about oppression is that it physically hurts people. And so when people don't have access to food and all the other parts of living in poverty, it promotes things like high blood pressure, high insulin levels, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, all of those things that people, I feel like many of you listening were probably like, hmm, that sounds like things that we know are connected to poor health outcomes. Well, just living in um, this world in, in an oppressed way, whether it's a marginalized body or living in poverty or many other um, different ways, can promote that kind of physical experience. Here's the kicker for you, letter writer, and anyone listening who can identify what she is talking about, is polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, also is connected to those same things like high insulin levels, high blood sugar, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Those are all things that we know are connected to PCOS. If you're new to PCOS, it's an endocrine disorder that basically is a grouping of symptoms that results from a hormonal imbalance. It's not really well known, but a lot of people have it. It's between one in 10 and one in seven women experience this PCOS, this kind of set of symptoms. And we don't know a lot of ways to help treat it. There's no cure and it's chronic, so it's a lifelong experience. But what we know are a few things. And so for you, letter writer, I really want you to, to kind of try to connect these dots with me. Is your lifelong experience in poverty already made your PCOS more complicated because it was like this double whammy affecting your system. And I think living in an oppressed body for whatever reason, it sets our body up to experience a flight or fright kind of response. And our bodies are really great at helping us survive. And back in the day, you know, caveman days, 
when we were walking this earth next to lions and tigers, um, if we were being chased by a lion, our body would not really worry about setting hunger signals or, hey, it's time to go to sleep signals. It would send this surge of adrenaline which would increase insulin levels, increase triglyceride levels, increase increase blood pressure to help you to get the hell away from that lion. There's something about being oppressed and experiencing chronic microaggressions that makes our body think that we're being chased by the lion. And so your body was just doing what it needed to do. And that also made the PCOS much worse. So anyone listening, if you have a similar experience with or without PCOS, but maybe grew up in poverty or have walked this earth in a marginalized body, you can probably relate to some of these health concerns. And there's another side to this that is really, really unfortunate. And I can't think of a better word than disgusting. And that's a tough word for me to say, but it really is because being pushed to diet also causes those same things to our body. Here's what I mean. Most healthcare treatment, most conventional healthcare treatment pushes diets to promote health and is hoping that it's gonna promote weight loss to promote health. And in the short term, it can look like that would be favorable. When we look at short duration studies that are four weeks or 12 weeks long, we see that changes in eating and any kind of diet under the sun helps to lower insulin levels, triglycerides, blood sugar, you name it. We've been able to find research that helps improve those measures in the short term. And when we look further out, when we look more than one year out, so looking at two years to five years after a diet, after someone continues a diet, What we see instead is that it promotes inflammation. Inflammation is something that can be measured by looking at C-reactive protein or interleukin-18. Those are two blood values we can look at. And if someone's experiencing PCOS, it's really important to keep that in mind because PCOS in itself already causes this chronic pro-inflammatory state, which makes the symptoms worse. And so when we look long-term with dieting, maybe in the short-term it causes improvements, but in the long-term it only promotes more disease with PCOS. So I hope you're following me along, letter writer, and anyone listening who can relate to this. Having PCOS cause this these symptoms and this disease in your body. The PCOS itself is not a disease, but it causes things like high insulin levels and high triglycerides and all those other things I was saying. And also living in poverty was causing like a similar experience. And then number three, dieting long-term also contributes to symptoms that are gonna make PCOS worse. It's gonna promote more inflammation long-term. And I have a number four, unfortunately, because diets don't work. If you're new to the podcast, newsflash, diets don't work. (laughs) We know that research has been able to show when we look long-term, two to five years out, most people are not able to maintain weight loss after they've started a diet. There are some people who do, I lovingly call you freaks of nature, but it's only three to 5% of people who start a diet are able to maintain that weight loss long-term. Most people will regain more weight. So one third to two thirds of you who start a diet 
are actually going to gain more weight than you had in the beginning. So what we know to be true from this information is that weight management is really weight cycling or yo-yo dieting so that losing weight and then gaining it back and gaining a little bit more and then losing weight again and gaining it back and gaining a little bit more, that's yo-yo dieting, also called weight cycling. Weight cycling causes those same things, those high blood pressure, high triglycerides, yada, yada, yada. We don't need to go into it anymore because it's all contributing to more of that same kind of disease. So what do we do about this? Letter writer, what are you going to do about this? You know, there's four different um, avenues that have contributed to disease for you that are completely out of your control. They're systemic. They are these huge um, institutionalized systems that are contributing to disease. Something I want to point out that you mentioned in your letter was you said something about an addiction to this food. And it really made me pause. I wonder for anyone listening if it made you pause too, especially keeping in mind those four different things that I was just saying that were promoting disease. I really don't want to call it addiction. You're calling it that. So I need to keep it that way. Yet, I just want to really point out that it may not be an addiction because you've been handed some really um, non-evidence-based poor medicine to treat PCOS. And the world is contributing to that disease. So I would just like to reframe it as maybe it's not an addiction. Maybe it's just you and your body trying to stay alive. Maybe it's just your body being a successful human. I have a feeling that somewhere in your lineage, you have had some DNA passed to you that has really survived. And so your body is really good and successful at staying alive, even with really poor access to food. So just keep that in mind. I believe you haven't been given the right tools. And there's a few things that I would encourage you to start with. Because like you said, you don't have access to the quote unquote perfect food and you can still help your body move along. And one, one thing I really want to point out to you, letter writer, is you are doing everything that you have access to, to help promote health. I have a feeling you're getting a different message. I have a feeling that you're getting told that you're letting yourself go, that you're going to contribute to dying young and leaving your mother without her child. And what I get from your short letter is that you're doing everything you can and you're pursuing higher education to help your family get out of the cycle of poverty. And holy shit, that is so awesome and brave and amazing. So what I encourage you to do, instead of focusing on what you don't have access to with your food, I really want you to concentrate on making sure you're eating enough. I feel like living in a, a larger body, being told that you must you must remove part of your body in order to be acceptable, that there must be less of you. I, I just know that you're being told that you should not be eating very much. 
And that's one thing I know with PCOS that is really harmful and just further contributes to that chronic pro-inflammatory state that contributes to the symptoms. So be sure you're eating enough. And as you're moving through, let your body tell you which foods help energize you and which ones don't. And as you're trying to move away from diets, it's going to feel really challenging to do that because I feel like PCOS and listening to your body is really challenging when the PCOS is not in a place where you have tools to manage it, but really just trying to find a way to, to manage it as best you can by eating enough and then the access to healthcare that you have. It's time to switch to access to healthcare. And this is not necessarily for you, letter writer. It's for everyone else, you listener. I think it's really important for us as a culture. I Actually, I, I can say that I feel like we all want people to have access to health. I feel like it's part of the battle cry right now that we don't want certain people to cost more money because of poor health. And in order for that to happen, we need to make sure that there's equal access to health. And one thing I know to be true is that 25% of health are behaviors that we make, like eating and movement, um, things like that. It's 25% of health. You know what the other 75% is? It's genetics and social determinants of health. Social determinants of health include just really the the power that a person has in his or her life and community. So those of you listening who are living in a marginalized body have poor access to food because of poverty, poor access to healthcare. Um, Also, those of you who didn't have the best resources during your years of child development, those are all social determinants of health. How much a person gets paid, the type of job they have, those are other ones. And so in order for us to help promote health in our world, we also need to promote health equity, which means we really need to help people who are living in these marginalized bodies, people of color, people living in larger bodies, people who are living with disability. We need to help them have better access to care. I don't have a solution in this 20-minute podcast, but I know that by talking about it, we can start to make a change. And I know that's where this gets political and uncomfortable, and it's important for those of us who have access to care to feel uncomfortable to help our fellow humans. So for you, letter writer, I am working on it, and I know many people listening are too, and I know that's not enough, and we need to do more. In the meantime, letter writer, anyone listening as well who can relate to to this letter writer, I encourage you to look into the work by Jess Baker. She's an activist and someone also who's experienced poverty and PCOS. She has a fabulous Instagram page. She also has a book that I love that's called Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls. She's also known as the Militant Baker on social media, like Instagram. So I would encourage you to look into her work. I think you'll find some solidarity and also, you know, just see the things that many of us are doing to try to change the direction of health and access to care so it can help you and your future generations. I do hope you stay in touch. Keep us posted on how things are going. 
I see food has written back. Before we get to hear what food has to say, be sure to check out my PCOS and Food Peace course. You can get on the wait list. Enrollment will be opening up in January and you can get to that at pcosandfoodpeace.com. Did you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast? I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a rating or review. The way you can do that is just access the podcast on your podcatcher and scroll down. And now iTunes has made it so much easier so you can instantly leave a rating or review. So all you have to do is go to see more episodes of it and you'll see at the bottom a place to leave a rating or review. And always subscribing helps as well. Why does this matter? Well, iTunes has this like, totally secret algorithm that helps people to find shows based on ratings and reviews, we think. And so it helps just more people find the show. I really believe that everyone deserves to feel at home in their own skin. And that is the way to access health and to feel energized and to connect to our greater good. So the more who can find the show, the better. So I thank you in advance for any rating or review or subscribe or any way you can share it. All right. Let's go ahead and hear what food has to say. Take care. Dear poor and polycystic, times have been tough as long as we can remember. There has always been something keeping you from food, whether it's money, permission, or shame. They've all contributed. We notice you feel out of control with us and think most of it is on your shoulders. Take that heavy cloak off your back. You don't deserve this blame. You have been given all the wrong tools. We encourage you to pivot, to focus on getting enough and practicing permission. No, we are fighting for you because we see you and value you. The only you in this world. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.